All right, if you would take your Bibles this morning, we'll be looking at why Israel's war matters, and we'll begin at the, at the beginning. So if you turn to Genesis 3, almost to the beginning of your Bible, we'll be there in a little bit. Why Israel's war matters. And I'm sure all of us are well aware that there is a war going on over in the Holy Land. Uh, hopefully that's not breaking news to you, but there is war going on over there, and I believe it's, it's important for us to know as Christians what's going on over there and, and why. Why does it matter to us as Christians here in, in Iowa? We're a long ways away from Israel. Uh, should, should this be a significant thing for us to pay attention to? And I believe it is. Um, this Israel-Hamas war. Uh, nine days ago, a week ago Saturday, uh, a week ago yesterday at 7 a.m. in the morning, Hamas, this Muslim jihad terrorist group, they, they launched this all-out attack on, on Israel by air, by land, by sea. Uh, in the Hebrew language, Hamas means violence. And really, I think that describes their actions very well. They are a violent terrorist group. Um, and you think about the timing of when Hamas attacked Israel. A while back, I preached on the uh, Jewish holidays. And remember the Feast of Tabernacles? It was the week-long feast where they would, or each Jewish family, uh, they, they build a tabernacle or a uh, tent, and they live out in their yard for a week to, you know, to, to remember the, uh, you know, the Israel's wilderness wanderings. But on Saturday morning was the final day, and it was combined with the Sabbath. But it was that last night that you know, the Jewish families were outside sleeping in these tabernacles. That's when this violent attack took place. Seven in the morning. People were still sleeping, unaware that this was, you know, these terrorists came, came into Israel, to all these cities, and just, just murdered them, killed them. Uh, you know, just talking about the details, I know Dan mentioned this in Sunday school as well, that thinking about the atrocities of, of these Muslims that, that came against the Jews. It's still, still going on. Um, but at, at a time when they were totally un, unprepared and unaware, almost reminds you of Pearl Harbor here, here in America. Um, but so far, from the th numbers I have seen, there were 1,300 men, women, and children who were murdered last you know, week ago Saturday. And, there, and even more since then. Um, there was even this all-night music festival that was going on, and the young people were, you know, there was, there was this music festival for peace. It was all night, and here it was getting to even be, you know, 7 a.m. or so, and the Hamas comes in and murders 260 young people. Just terrible. Uh, this is the, really the deadliest war for Israel since the 1973 Yom Kippur War. And just very significant. Uh, you know, it, hopefully it burdens our hearts and breaks our hearts. 
Israelites, and we weep for the Jewish people. Um, but they, you know, the terrorists, they would go, they went door to door in many of these, in over 20 Israeli cities, and just, you know, they would open the door and just tie people up and shoot them down and, and uh, gun, gun them down and mutilate them and be, behead them, all these different things. And then they would take these bodies, and they went back to Gaza City, and they would parade them before their fellow Muslims. Isn't that terrible? Last Wednesday, just a few days ago, Khaled Michel, the, the former leader of Hamas, called for jihad on Friday, which was just a couple days ago. And he, he said, to all scholars who teach jihad, to, to all who teach and learn, this is the moment for the application. And you know, calling out for these Muslims, for, to, to jihad, to this holy war. Uh, jihad means to strive, to do one's utmost. And it's a, you know, just fighting with everything you have for, you know, for their belief in Allah and their belief that any other re- religion other than Islam is, is wrong. And they you know, kill these people. Uh, so, you know, that's what's going on. This is a devastating war. As I said, this is the ninth day that this has been going on. And who knows how long it will continue. But we need to pray for the Jewish people. But this, this morning, I'm going to take some time and just go through, you know, what, what the Bible says about Israel, what I think the Bible can tell us about even this war that, that, is, that is transpiring over in Israel, and as Christians, how we should respond. Uh, you know, what, what, whatever it is in our lives, we should look at, we should look through a biblical lens. We should look through eyes of, of faith through, through Scripture. Whether it's our own lives, you know, we, as we go through our lives, there are, are things that come up in our lives that are not spelled out in black and white in Scripture. There are things that we wrestle with at times that are, you know, you wonder, is it right, is it wrong? It's, it doesn't say by name, certain things I deal with. Well, there are biblical principles that we deal with and that are through, that are given in Scripture. Second Peter 1, 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that's through His promises there in verse 4. But we, through the Word of God, we have everything we need to know how to live for God. We, we don't have to wonder, what, what does God want me to do? Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All scriptures breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And in verse seventeen, that the man of God or the Christian may be complete and equipped for every good work. We through the Word of God, we have everything we need to know how to live for God. So the things that come up in our lives. We, we should know what God expects because we have, we have a sufficient word of God. Um, you know, things that aren't addressed by name, we, we know how, you know, we, we, we know what to do. Um, there are lots of things that we deal with in our lives that we, they're not spelled out by name. 
uh, in Scripture. Pornography, U UFOs, gambling, uh, climate change, ab abortion, transgenderism, all these different things. But we look at principles. And, you know, when it comes to our lives, but also when it comes to what's going on in the world. And here as we have become aware of the, the atrocities going on in, in the Holy Land, even as we speak, we, we should have a biblical perspective. How do we respond as Christians? Is this war, uh, should, should it mean more to us than, say, the war that happened, was it a year ago, oh, it's still going on in Ukraine? I mean, that's terrible as well with Ukraine and Russia. Is this different? Well, obviously it's different, but should we care more about this war? And I, I believe that we should because of what God says about the Jewish people, though our hearts break for anybody who's going through war, for sure. Um, but let's, let's go ahead and just pray right now, ask for his blessing on this sermon, and then we'll dig into what God's word says. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you today for the blessing it is to be able to meet as a church, to be able to study your word together. And we thank you that it is sufficient for everything we experience in life, to understand how to live, to understand what is going on in this world. And Lord, today as we consider what's going on in Israel, this Israel-Hamas war between the Jewish people and the, and the Muslims, help us to understand what your word says. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would guide us into understanding. Lord, we do pray that you would protect your people. Lord, I, I know there are Christians on both sides. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would protect them. But Lord, I pray even for the Jewish people, that you would open their eyes, that they would see Christ as Messiah. Help us to remember to pray for Israel. And Lord, we just pray for your blessing on this sermon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, as I was thinking through this this week, some thoughts came to my mind, and you know, just kind of walk through this here. Why is Israel's war important? Israel's war matters because the first point I, uh, that came to mind was it is another battle in the spiritual cosmic war. This, you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and here you have where sin entered the world. You have the devil in the form of the serpent, tempted Eve, and then later Adam, and they ate the forbidden fruit. And we know that well, and sin entered into this world. And you know, it's been, you know, this world has been falling apart ever since, and there are devastating consequences of sin. That's why there's so much brokenness and hatred and war. It all stems back to the entrance of sin into this world. But here in, in the latter part of this chapter, you have the curses. God curses the serpent, the, you know, Satan. He, he curses the woman. He curses Adam. And in that the curse first to the serpent, verse 15, this is the first mention of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ in Scripture. Right here in verse 15, I will put enmity... God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. 
He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this is the, the first mention of this cosmic holy war that's going on, that's been taking place for thousands of years between good and evil, between, between God and Satan, between, here as it says, the seed of the woman, that's mankind, and the seed of the serpent. It's the forces of evil. And I've heard it said that the rest of Scripture from this point onward is the unfolding of this war that is taking place. And it continues even, even to the present day. Uh, and ultimately, the seed of the woman who, you know, that's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the most important descendant of the woman, of mankind, and you know, he would ultimately, through his death on the cross, defeat the devil and strike that fatal blow. He would, he would bruise Satan's head. And I'm thankful. But the war, this, this war that's going on is a continuation of, of this battle. This battle is a continuation of the war. The second thing is, it is the deliberate choice to dishonor God's people. Turn over to chapter 12 of Genesis. It's the deliberate choice to dishonor God's people. Here when God decided to choose Abraham, Abram as he was called at that time, to be the father of this, this nation, the, what would become the Jewish people, the Israelites, he makes this promise in verses 1 to 3. And in verse 3, I just want us to look at this right now. This is a promise not only to Abraham, but, but to us as well, to the world. And it still holds true even today. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors or curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is still holding true. This is true for individuals. This is especially true for nations and their position toward Israel. Will they bless Israel? Will they support and be allies with Israel? Or will they dishonor and curse the Jewish people? Uh, if, if you choose to dishonor and curse God's covenant people, you know, the Jews, there will be God's judgment on that nation or on you as an individual. Uh, and so as the Muslims, as they have continued on, especially with this attack here a week ago, they have deliberately chosen again to, to curse God's people and to attack God's people. And yes, the, the Jews themselves have a very strong military and they're fighting back for sure, but ultimately God is in control and he will hold the Muslims to, you know, to account. And here the Palestinians, of which the uh, Hamas is part of, they are Sunni Muslim. And you know, they're the, the world's largest terrorist organization. I didn't realize that. Hamas is the, uh, the world's largest terrorist organi organization. And they, here they have come against God's people. And that's no light thing. That's not a laughing matter. Uh, God, God will keep, you know, God will pay them back. God will uh, defend his people. 
you know, this, but yeah, this promise holds true. Now, I am thankful that our nation, you know, America, is standing with Israel. And we, we, should, we should thank God for that. America has sided with the Jewish people. And we, we stand with them. We have pledged our support. I, I noticed how uh, just immediately afterward, I think it was even last Saturday, we sent over the aircraft carrier, the USS Gerald R. Ford, which is the, the most advanced aircraft carrier in, in, you know, in the world. And it, it's sent there right to the coast of Israel to hold the, the Hamas Muslims to, to, to account. And now we've even sent over the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower as well. Um, and all the F-18 fighter jets that go with it. Uh, and we, we are standing with Israel. And I, I looked into this back in, on, uh, what was it, Thursday of this week. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken went to Israel, met with Benjamin Net, Netanyahu there in Israel. And I'm not going to read all of his speech that he gave there in Israel, but Secretary Blinken said just a few things that stood out there. He said, the message I want to bring to Israel is this. You may be strong enough on your own to, to defend yourself, but as long as America exists, you will never, ever have to. We will always be there by, by your side. I mean, that's great, isn't it? And then he also said a little bit later, he said, here in Israel and everywhere, we will reaffirm the crystal clear warning that President Biden issued yesterday to any adversary, state or non-state, that th th thinking of taking advantage of the current crisis to, to attack Israel. Don't. The United States has Israel's back. And, and to that, I praise the Lord. We stand with Israel. And we may not agree with all the positions of our government and, and uh, as that goes. But as far as our, our support of Israel, we should be grateful to God. And there is blessing that comes from that. All the way here back through Genesis 12. Uh, the, third, the third thing we see, this war helps us to, it, it matters because it is the continuation of the conflict between the lines of Ishmael and Isaac. And if you go over to chapter 16, as you know your, your biblical history here, and as the Jewish nation is progressing, here you have Abraham, and here he's, he's getting up there in, in age. He's in his 80s, and is wondering, he's questioning, how, am, how is a nation going to, how am I to be a father of a nation with no offspring? It's a legitimate question. And he's questioning. He's, well, here Sarah, his wife, has this idea. You know, Why don't you have a child by my servant Hagar? And so he yields to his wife's idea, unfortunately, and has Ishmael. And then later on, God does bless, about 14 years later, God blesses with the birth of Isaac, the son of promise. Uh, but... Are, are, are you aware that Abraham is the father of three different religious groups? 
He's the father of the Arabs or the Muslims through Ishmael. And he's the father of the Jewish nation, of course, through Isaac. And he's the father even of Christians, as, as Galatians 3 tells us. And we, we looked at that on Sunday nights, but Galatians 3, 7 and 9 say, Know that those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the, son of faith, or the, the man of faith. So here, Abraham is the father of three different religious groups. The Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians. Look at Genesis 16, starting at verse 10. Here you have Hagar, the servant who has been kicked out of the house with Ishmael. And God has a message for her. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to, to, to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Here this prophecy came to pass, exactly as was prophesied. But not a very good description of Ishmael here. Not easy to get along with. And the prophecy has continued on. The, the Muslim people are very hateful and, and hard to get along with. Especially when it comes to, to other be, belief systems. Uh, here, of course, they have attacked the Jewish people. But yeah, the, the Arabs, the Jews, the Christians. Um, look back at, at chapter 15, verse 5. Here God, had, God talked to Abraham, Genesis 15, 5. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to, to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And that couldn't be more true. He would, he would have billions upon billions of offspring. Uh, as you think of these three different religious groups. Uh, go over to chapter 17. And here, starting at verse 1 of chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Not just one nation, a multitude. No longer shall your name be called Abram, you shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will, I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. So this is not just the Jewish people. This is, this is the Arabs as well, and Christians. Um, but you think about that. What, what is the this scope of Abraham's uh, influence even right now? As of today, we have over 8 billion people living on planet Earth, over 8 billion. 
And I looked up these numbers just this week as of 2023. Eight billion people living. There's 2.4 billion Christians. 2.4 billion. And Islam, there are 1.9 billion Muslims. So 2.4 billion Christians, 1.9 billion Muslims worldwide. Jews, there's 16 million Jews, 16 million. So uh, quite, a, quite a, a bit less there. But of the three Abrahamic re- religions, there, there's over 4.3 billion. That's over half of the world population tied back to this one man, Abraham. And right now, the one that's only 16 million strong is being attacked. Very sad. The fourth reason that Israel's war matters is the f- fulfilling prophecy. It's fulfilling prophecy. There are so many different prophecies you could look at. I want you to turn to Zechariah 12, if you would. Zechariah chapter 12. Let's look at a few of these here. And we're just, just really scratching the surface. We could go into depth in any one of these, but in verses 1 to 9 here of Zechariah 12 is the prophecy of the time before the tribulation period, the time we live in as we speak. And some of these, you know, there's, there's a lot of mention about Jerusalem and the Jewish land. Uh, let's, let's just start at verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, the, the oracle of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord, who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem also shall be against it, or shall be against Judah. On that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves. And all the nations of the earth will gather against it. Now pause right there. Verse 3, we can see this happening even right now. There's no other nation that is more polarizing and more people are opposed to than Israel. And here it says, here in the end times, all the nations of the earth will gather against Israel. And we see this picking up steam and progressing. Even, even today. Verse 4, as, as we go on. On that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. These are the people who seek to attack Israel. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open when I strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. Then the clans of Judah shall say to themselves, the inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts, their God. Verse 6, on that day I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of wood, like a flaming torch among the sheaves, and they shall devour to the right and to the left all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. Here this is talking about, of course, after the establishment of the Jewish nation, which was in 1948, but all this 
all the fighting and the wars that are going on, and God protects his people. And that last verse there, talking about Jerusalem and the, the people being able to dwell in Jerusalem, that was directly fulfilled in 1967. They could finally, after that war, I think it was a six days war, they could go in and live in Jerusalem. But this, this time, we, we see this being played out. There's, continue reading there, verse 7, And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. Verse 8, On that day the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David. And the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. On that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Yeah. That, that last part there, verses 7 to 10, I think talk about even right now, where this increasing hatred of Israel and these wars that are, that are uh, taking place God will fight for his people. He fights through his people. And here he says, even the weakest among them will be like David. What you read about David in the Old Testament and how mighty of a warrior David was. He's, he's going to make the Jewish people like that at, at the right time as they fight their, 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 their enemies. And so, you know, here we just see prophecy being fulfilled. You know, go, you go on there. Verses 10 through the end of chapter 13, you have, you know, talking about the tribulation, and eventually, at the end of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, the Jews will finally see Jesus Christ as Messiah and turn to him in faith. They will, they will weep over him and mourn for him and put their faith in him. But that's, that's not yet. Um, I want you to Look down, just down at the very end of chapter 13. And this prophecy, I think, will, you know, this will take place largely in the tribulation period. But there's really a, a second holocaust that's, that's going to take place. We're aware of the, the first holocaust in World War II. But down here in verses 8 and 9. In the whole land, declares the, the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. They will say they are my, I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is my God. Did you notice how many people will die? How many Jewish people will die in this second Holocaust? Two-thirds of the Jewish people. That's a massive number. As I said, right now we have 16 million Jews alive right now. And we don't know when this will take place for sure, but if it happens here in the next 10 years, you know, we can see how many people that might be. But there's going to be this time where they are so rebellious and they reject Christ, this process of humbling them and bringing them to the point of saving faith Maybe two-thirds, it will be two-thirds will die, but the last third will trust Christ. So, very, very important. But we see here 
the, fu the fulfillment of prophecy. And these are just a few prophecies. Uh, but this war just helps us to, to see there is a lot of fighting that will, that will take place and a lot of death. But you know, there are good things in store for Israel. Praise the Lord. They eventually will believe. They will have peace. You know, the, the, as, as we read in Revelation 20, the millennial kingdom, the 1,000 year reign of Christ, will, you know, Christ himself in, will, will be here and he will reign from Jerusalem. Israel will be the center of the nations for peace. So there you know, a lot of blessings to think of. The fifth reason the war matters is God is not done with Israel. God is not done with Israel. You may have heard, heard uh, Christian leaders say, well, we don't really need to pay much attention to Israel. They aren't God's people anymore. Uh, the, the church has replaced Israel. Any, pro, you know, any prophecy mentioned or get given to Israel now applies to the church. <laughs> That's replacement the, theology, it's called. I want you to turn to Romans 11. In this chapter in Romans, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote just for that very reason to, to debunk that heresy that the church has replaced Israel. Israel has its place. Israel, especially in the Old Testament, was, you know, they, they had their place. God chose them. They, they were a, a people, a land. But now, they, you know, they have rejected Christ. God has set them aside for a time. And he's established the church, which we are part of. But in, in the time to come, as we'll see here, God will reinstate Israel. And there will be blessings for Israel. Look at, look at 11, Romans 11, 1. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. You know, it couldn't be any more clear. God has not rejected his people. There, there is still a plan for Israel. There are good things yet to come. Uh, look down to verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble? It's talking about the, the unbelief and the, re the rejection of Christ by the Jews. Did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass... Salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. This is part of the plan. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, which that'd be us, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Hey, did you notice there? At the very end of verse 12, as the ESV puts it, how much more will their full inclusion be? They will in the time to come, be included again. There is a time of restoration coming. He, he points to that. God has not permanently set aside the Jewish people. They're just set aside right now for a time. But there are great things in store. Look down at verses 25 to 28 here. This is really the highlight of this thought. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. 
a partial hardening has come upon Israel. And that's, that's what we see right now with the Jewish people. There is a hardening. They, they reject Christ. They don't see him as Messiah. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now, the Gentiles are just simply non-Jewish people. That would, that would be us. The fullness of the Gentiles... What is the fullness of the Gentiles? Well, that is the, the full number of people to trust Christ as Savior for the non-Jewish, for the non-Jewish peoples. So whenever that last Gentile convert trusts Christ as Savior, that is the fullness of the Gentiles. We're still working toward that. God is still building his church. Jews and Gentiles are, are being saved. But when that final Gentile trusts Christ, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. So until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins as regards the gospel. They are enemies for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So, hopefully you can see here in Romans 11, there is, there's a future for, for the Jewish people. There's a future for Israel. God chose them in his sovereignty in the Old Testament. It started with Abraham, but has set them aside for right now. It has for roughly 2,000 years during the church age, but... When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, when that final Gentile is saved, then I believe that shortly thereafter the rapture will take place. And, you know, the the tribulation begins, and eventually, at at the end of the tribulation, that third of the Jews that remain will put their faith in Christ. So God, God is not done with Israel. So let us not fall into this line of thinking that it just doesn't matter. We don't, we, we don't need to care about the Jewish people anymore. God has a sovereign plan. Uh, so, you know, as we talked about those numbers a little bit ago with the 4.3 billion people who, uh, t- who go back to Abraham, with this war you have the 1.9 billion with the Muslims fighting against the Jews, 16 million, and as you look at those, I think that it's probable that the majority of Christianity also is siding against the Jews with this, with this false line of thinking that the Jews have been re- replaced. They, they don't really care. How sad. I believe a true Christian will stand with Israel. Do you stand with Israel? We, we must. And then the sixth thing is it. It reminds us to pray for Israel. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 122. Psalm 122. May may we remember to pray for Israel. Psalm 122, verses 6 and 7. Here David writes, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. 
we, we need to pray for them. How should we pray for the Jewish people? I think we need to pray for their peace, as it says there. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. First and foremost, pray for the, their peace with God. Pray that the Jewish people would see God for who he really is and see his son, Jesus Christ, as their Messiah, and that they will put their, their faith in him, that they will trust him as, as Savior. That's the most important any, you know, decision that anyone can make, is to put their faith in Jesus Christ, Jew or Gentile. And I hope that you have trusted Christ. But let's pray, let's pray for the Jews, that they would put their faith in Christ. There are many Jews, even, even today, who are putting their faith in Christ. But generally, largely as a whole, the Jewish people is opposed to Christ. And pray for their peace with God. Pray for their peace with their neighbors, of course, as they're being attacked, as they are fighting right now. Pray for protection. Pray for the violence to stop. But pray for peace. Peace with God, peace with their neighbors. Let's, let's make sure we pray. So, how do we apply this? Well, there's a few things that come to mind here. Let's, let's not lose hope. Here as we see wars and rumors of wars, as Christ talked about, and we see God's chosen people, the Jewish people, being attacked and killed, um, fighting. Let's not lose hope. God is in control. There's a sovereign plan that, that's taking place. And right now, church is the center of his plan, but the Jewish people will be in time. God is sovereign. Let's not forget to pray, as we already mentioned here, but the, but the command to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, you know, we need to watch for the rapture. We don't know when it will take place. We don't know the day or the hour. But we need to be ready. And, these, and, and this war, I think, helps us to realize, hey, the time might not be very far away. We, we could see the rapture in our lifetime. So, very important. Uh, so, I want you to turn to one final passage. Psalm 83. Here as we think about Israel and this war. Psalm 83. Let's look at a few verses here. Very similar to what we see going on over in Israel. Where the Jewish, the, the, the Muslims, I should say. The Muslims don't just want more land. They, they don't just want more of Israel's land. They want the, the Jewish people exterminated. That's their goal. They, they want them eliminated. And look at, look at what we see here. Psalm 83, starting at verse 1. O God, do, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your, tr your treasured ones. And here in verse 4, they say, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. This is what the Hamas terrorists want, is for Israel to be remembered no more. And that's, you know, here he's, he's writing about that. Look at the end of the psalm here. 
Verse 16. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O, o Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone, whose name is, is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. God has a plan. God is sovereign over all. And he is allowing this for a time. And perhaps it is for the Jewish people to wake up spiritually and to see Jesus Christ as their Messiah, as the Savior of the world. And hopefully it's a wake-up call to us as well that we need to pray for the Jewish people and pray for their peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for, for your word. We thank you for the uh, teaching on Israel and your perfect plan for the ages. That Israel was in place for a time and now the church is, is central in your plan. But there is a time coming when the rapture will take place and the Jews will be reinstated. And you have great plans for Israel. And those promises you made in the Old Testament and through the, through the New Testament will still take place. You are a faithful God. Help us to remember to pray for Israel. We do pray for their peace. We pray that you would bless them, first and foremost, with peace with you, that they would individually, as Jewish people, see Christ and put their faith in him and ask, them, ask him to save their souls. The Lord, that they would also have peace with one another and peace with their enemies. We pray that you would protect them. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.